Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to today's episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly and I'm joined by my co-host, Serge Boudreaux. Serge, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm actually really excited about this episode. Let's go right into it. It's not very often we have a CEO of a major ATS company. So I want to introduce our guest today is Jerome Turning, who is the CEO of Smart Recruiters. And also, please do go get this book because I read this book around a month ago. Absolutely loved it. Is the author of Hiring Success, How Visionary CEOs Compete for the Best Talent. I'm assuming it's available everywhere. Jerome? It absolutely is, Serge, and um, yeah, available on Amazon. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, welcome. I, I really appreciate you coming in. I think you can give a perspective that our listeners are, are really looking for. Recruitment technology is, is something that we always battle. Uh, a lot of our listeners are practitioners or talent acquisition leaders and figuring out that magic solution on implementing the right HR tech is something that mm-hmm. evades all of us. So I think hopefully you can give us some insights on that. So how about we we jump in yeah. right into questions? I'm, We're going to grill you today. You're ready, yeah, Jerome. I look for, yeah, I look for- Awesome. Jerome, welcome to the show. I am I have heard you speak before and I am absolutely thrilled that you're with us today. Do you know what I want to start with? This is your journey in the recruitment technology space. You launched an applicant tracking system in 2002 called Mr. Ted. So we're yep. curious why you felt there was a need for this type of system in recruitment. What were you answering in the market? I think at that time we were just automating the file cabinet, right? I was a recruiter at a recruitment agency before that. I founded in in the late in the early nineties, actually, in in the Czech Republic, and we were quite successful. Early days of Central Europe, uh, moving from communist economy to a liberal economy, people were hiring left, center, and center. And we didn't have any systems to manage our candidates, and this became a problem. And so when the internet arrived, uh, we looked at all the stacks of paper that were on every consultant desk, and we're like, hmm, actually, maybe we could automate this. Maybe we, the paper resumes would become online resumes that we would track in a database. And I think... Uh, we started actually, Mr. Ted, in 1999, and at the same time as Brassring and Teleo and iSense and all these guys, like all the first generation of ATS, mm-hmm. as the name says, applicant tracking systems, which is actually one of the problem, right? It doesn't say hire amazing people systems. It's yeah. really about tracking applicants. So, but at the time, this was the problem we were solving. It was a logistical problem of, mm-hmm. from paper to online. Yes, I was there. I started recruiting in 1994. (laughs) I came from when the fax machine was like spitting resumes out. We were like, "Woo, this is fast. I love hearing about that journey. So thank you for sharing because it was a really awesome time to be in recruitment. It still is today. Can I move on to another question here? And it's more about your book, Hiring Success, where you talk about the talent economy. And of course, I believe this in my heart and soul that the business with the best talent wins. I believe that. But do you think that is something that really resonates with CEOs and executives? And or do you feel like there's still a little bit on the dark about this? Both. I think it, it resonates with them very well. Like okay. they understand who you hire as a company 
defines everything. Like it defines your ability to sell, your ability to service, your ability to innovate. Like actually as a, as a hiring manager, who you hire defines you as a leader. It defines who you are. Oh, and by the way, it also defines whether you get to have dinner with your kids at home tonight or you're going to stay in the office to finish that presentation or that deck that the guy that's supposed to do it that you hired last month didn't finish or if you're going to have to stay longer hours in the Starbucks because the shop manager didn't show up or the barista is sick. Like who you hire defines your career. It defines your personal life and your career. And I think every hiring manager knows that uh, all the way, of course, to the CEO. What they don't know, and why what compelled me to write the book is how do you actually hire amazing talent? Right? Like when it, it really surprises me that the CEO is, I want to hire the best people in the market. And they consistently put this in their top three priorities, right? 80% of CEOs say hiring top talent is in my number one, number two, number three priorities. Right. And at the same time, 85% of Fortune 500 believe they don't hire great people. So where is the disconnect? And for me, the disconnect is simple. You take recruiting as a, a, a sales and marketing function where you want to compete for the best talent and you actually move it down the organization all the way into admin, uh, below HR, and you measure it by cost per hire and time to fill, faster and cheaper. You treat it as a back office function oh, that needs yeah. to be automated. And that's the disconnect. The disconnect is, well, no, actually... If you want to hire great people, you invest in recruiting to hire amazing talent, just like you invest in marketing to get customers. It's exactly the same process. And I love the example that's in the book that uh, talks about that, that Google uh, has six times more recruiters per employee than the average Fortune 500, six times more. And then people are like, oh, people at Google are great. Yeah, duh. Yes, they are, because they invest in recruiting and they focus on hiring the best people, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. And Mm -hmm. if we take a look at it, and I've seen it as being a a recruitment leader in different corporations, one of the biggest challenges that I always come across is actually selling the importance of what we do and the ability to get investment. Sometimes talent acquisition is seen as something that can be cut when times are tough, similar to a lot of programs or certain departments. So one of the big things that I try to focus is where is our return on investment? And I think we'll go a little bit through the metrics. But you, you also talk about, and I think a lot of people have said this, that you feel recruitment today is broken. I agree, uh, but I think it's been broken for a really long time. So why do you think that is? At the end of the day, great recruiting is not difficult. You need to find great candidates. Then you need to choose the right one and you need to be organized. Right? It's like at scale, like to rinse and repeat. And if you really put the traditional recruiting function of companies through this lens, does my ATS and my infrastructure and how I work help me attract and engage amazing talent with a great experience? No. Do managers use my ATS and collaborate, work well with my uh, recruiters to choose the right candidates? No, usually uh, emails and spreadsheet. As a result, is my TA team happy and productive? And so the underlying underlying approach here remains a staffing function. Job is posted, applicants apply, like human beings apply, they become applicants, right? That need to be tracked. Somehow we select one 
and it's hard to get feedback. The managers are behind. And this whole thing is treated as a service center. It's not. Uh, and I mm. think the, the starting point of uh, changing recruiting um, is to rebuild that relationship with hiring managers in a collaborative way, in a partnership way, where the recruiter is a real talent advisor and where they challenge each for better candidates. And of course, to fix the candidate experience at the start by embracing more modern marketing techniques, in fact, to attract consumers, people, and uh, and to make sure that the recruiters have the technology they need to actually do their job because it's a really hard job and this cannot be managed in a spreadsheet and in emails, it's over. So that's those for me are the three core components of hiring yeah. success, in fact, right? So the ability mm-hmm. to hire amazing talent on demand, which is what the CEO wants, um, candidate experience, manager engagement, and recruiter productivity. And if you focus on those three things, then you can become a value-add function. You can or rather you can demonstrate your value and be and receive investment uh, against this value that you deliver. That's a great answer. Oh my gosh. I'm well, so glad the, we're recording this. One of the <laughs> points you. that you, you said, and I'd like to dig in a little bit deeper, is one of the challenges that I've seen in a lot of organizations and talking to my colleagues is the hiring manager, recruiter, collaboration, partnership. This can be a challenge for a lot of recruiters because they need a lot of info to make sure they're bringing the right people in front of those hiring managers. And and often response is, I don't have time, or here is an old job description, just go off that. Or when it comes to booking interviews, they're delaying it. So any advice for any of the practitioners or anyone listening about how you can build that strong hiring manager collaboration partnership? I'm going to preach for, um, from my church here, but it starts with technology. It's like t- collaboration in the modern world is you need a te- you need a place to collaborate. If you do not have this, then the moment you just cannot collaborate. Then you have to be frustrated. Like, I missed your email. Did you give me feedback? Oh, no, I didn't. No, I sent it to you. But what about this candidate? Which one? The one you sent me on Thursday? No, the the other one. Where is, by the way, where are we in this search? Can I see a spreadsheet? This doesn't work, right? Like, it really does not work. The moment, literally, the moment you give to hiring managers and recruiters a good platform to collaborate, a platform where managers in particular on their phone can actually see what's happening. They can see the candidates. How can I say that? The It's a simple. The NPS of smart recruiters with hiring manager is positive 56. It's the same as Apple, right? Why wow. is that? Because we have a miraculous software? No, simply because for the first time, we are giving hiring managers a tool to manage one of the most important part of their job, which is the people they hire on their team. And literally, like the answer we get from hiring managers when we roll out is like, oh, thank you. Like, finally. Mm. And I think that is the basis for collaboration. And and it's really wonderful to watch the evolving relationship between recruiters and hiring managers in that. And if you were to dig into our own instance of smart recruiters, where we have the recruiters are like, they're in this conversation, they challenge each other, they say, yeah, I agree with you, this is a good candidate, but I think we could find a better one. Like... They're yep. they're bar raising each other, working together, as opposed to you know where's my resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that answer as well. So I'm curious too if we look at the current environment. So obviously a lot is going on in the world, COVID, but the biggest challenge: unemployment rate has gone up. 
but there's still a massive skill gap across the board. And a lot of it is just the skills that are needed for today's economy and is different than what a lot of skill sets are. So why do you think there's still a massive skills gap? What do you think are the key factors driving this? There's a number of uh, factors here that drive this. First, we have a demographic factor, um, mm-hmm. right? So the world demographics, I'm not going to get into that, but it is a reality here that the aging population drives a lack of talent. Second, jobs are increasingly more complex. And people don't really quantify this, but actually 40 years ago, a software developer is a software developer is a software developer. Today, if you develop an iOS app for the Apple environment, obviously you cannot build an Android app for Android, right? So you're like mobile developer branch, and now you have two jobs. And so the level of complexity of jobs is, is uh, really increased by, uh, by a 10x in the last decade as technology permeates everything. So now you're like, okay, I have a very skilled job and I need to find exactly the right skill, right? If you take it back 10,000 years, you had hunters and gatherers, mm-hmm. right? And I guarantee recruiting was not difficult back then, right? Now you have 7 million different jobs in the world, right? It's hard. I want to come back to, because I was absolutely loving this discussion around recruitment technology, because I know certainly in my experience, big corporate, I'm referring to being a talent acquisition leader in big corporate, recruitment technology, I went through a process, the selection process took five years. Like it was astounding. (laughs) But at the end of the day, the choice was driven by finance, legal, and IT. Yes, there was a human capital management system and got the dog and pony shows from all the, the big players. But at the end of the day, it was off to the side. And it was such a challenge to get good tech, good technology because it was like, oh, we're buying this anyways. And well, the applicant tracking system comes with it. So if knowing what I know now, maybe, but I know that this is a lot of what talent acquisition leaders face. So can you give, what's your best advice to a talent acquisition leader to, to give them kind of the power and the voice and the seat at the table to say, we need the right technology to do our jobs. Cause I know you mm-hmm. talk like how critical that technology is, but, and you, yes, collaboration, like a collaborative platform, but so many times they've already made this big decision on major ERP. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to talent acquisition leaders? Make sure their voice is heard. Yeah, I think that we can talk about the function as a whole and the metrics, and we'll probably do that um, uh, later. Um, but if you really think about technology, I'd recommend to just go back to the very basics, which is, dear CEO, hiring amazing talent is critical to you. Yes, okay. And by the way, you can say that to the CIO as well. So to do that, I need a system, one, that is going to help me find and engage. And then you can list what that means. And it's advertising your jobs, having good referrals, having good internal mobility, having good CRM capabilities, being able to nurture candidates, being able to search them, having automatic rematching, like a whole marketing stack. Already, your workday success factors, guys are already out at that point. Second, we need a collaborative platform here to manage recruiting together and and engage the hiring managers. 
I need the hiring managers to use the system every day. And that includes you, Miss CEO. That includes you. Are you going to use this every day for your interviews? Are you going to put feedback in that system for your interview? Have you tried it? No. So challenge the fact that you expect the hiring managers to use the system every day because they are hiring every day. So if they don't use the system, tell me where is recruiting going to happen? If you don't use the system, do you think it happens in emails or do you think it happens like where is it going to happen? So you need all of the um, all of the activity to happen in there. And that's your manager engagement. And then third, you need your recruiters to be productive. And for that, you need them to have all their data and all their suppliers in one platform. And may you make a list of the 35 providers that you use around the world to background check, to reference check, to post jobs, to interviews, to do this, to do that. And you say, these 35 systems be integrated. And now you have... You you have totally shaken the Very position of an HIS system, right? Because yeah. the HIS system is an administrative system to raise yeah. a rec and record who has been hired, basically, and keep it somewhat compliant in between, right? But you're saying, I need a marketing system. This is not what you're offering. I need a collaborative system that my managers are going to use every day. This is not what you're offering. And I need a platform with all of my uh, recruiting vendors pre-integrated. This is not what you're offering. So drive that as a core function. And then find your allies. And your allies in this process are first the CIO. Uh, who once he sees he or she sees these these requirements will be like this actually is going to cost us a lot to try and integrate everything uh, into the modern system. So the CIO use case is actually quite strong. Second, bring your uh, privacy officer into that because if you run recruiting outside of your system, you are not compliant. Data privacy requires that all of the private data that you collect is in one system where it is stored, managed, and archived uh, at the right times. Now, if I email you a resume because you don't want to use Workday, who's going to delete that email in a year's time when that candidate's privacy is not there? Who's going to control? Like if a candidate says, please erase my data, the honest answer in most organizations is, "Hmm, which one, right? Because you have so many copies of resumes, so many emails. It's actually a big consulting company that went through they created a project with an entire team to build an algorithm that went to read all the emails of all their employees globally to erase. Wow. This is how bad that is. So bring your privacy officer and say, I'm fine if we go with Workday, but none of the recruiting activity will ever happen outside of the system. So now let's look at what is the recruiting activity every day. And this doesn't work, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, bring your privacy, your diversity officer in there. Because the moment that recruiting happens off system, mm-hmm. bias comes in, right? Or well, what did you think of Shelly? I prefer Serge because he speaks French, right? There is no track record. There is no scorecards. There, it's the world of discrimination and, uh, and bias, right? And if you want to fight and bring diversity into the all, you need at the minimum documented decisions. Like you need to source diverse candidates to avoid the screening or restricting, discriminating them at, at resume screening. But most importantly, you need a fair interview process with clear criteria, whatever. We can discuss about this. But those are the points, right? Mm-hmm. You need a marketing system that managers are going to use every day and my recruiters have everything in one place. And by the way, this HIS will never do it. CIO, come and help me because you're going to save money and troubles. 
privacy officer come and help me because we cannot be compliant with the system and diversity officer come and help. And at the end of the day, I can give you a funny example. We just signed a a large um, technology company, 18,000 employees, and they were on work, they were recruiting. And the head of R&D and the head of sales came to the, the TA leader and said, you got to do something here. We cannot, my managers are screaming, recruiting is a shit show. We, you have to do something. Like you have to change the system. We need a proper system. And the head of TA was like, yeah, but I, I don't have the budget. And, and both of them went like, how much is this going to be? Right? And they basically, <laughs> they funded the project. I'm not kidding. They, ju- they just funded the project. Mm-hmm. You say, fine. And then you put a, a proper talent acquisition suite on top of your HIS. You can even put it on top of work they're recruiting or the recruiting module if you want to, it doesn't matter. But effectively, all the marketing, collaboration, and integration that is necessary in recruiting happens in a dedicated system. New hires or uh, candidates at offer stage are pushed to the HIS, requisition come up. It's, those are plug and play. They already the connectors are in place. Yeah. So it's really not a problem. You're going to save yourself a lot of cost. We have white papers about it. Sorry, I, I tried to summarize a very long topic. <laughs> well, that was a really fast, big but... question. It was a really big question because I think it's a quest that every talent acquisition leader oh, yeah. will have. And just when you've mastered it, then you change employers. Yeah. But that is so fantastic advice. Thank you very much. Because So I'm, I, I want to just probe on something that we touched on a minute as well. And you mentioned it again. And that is the fact that recruitment, when it is seen as by the organization as an administrative function, and they hire entry-level HR people, and they, Serge and I talk about this a lot, actually a lot lately as well, is that recruitment is seen as the only way to get into the profession of HR. But we read an article recently, I think that you had written, that I guess maybe we're looking to rally the troops because we feel the same way. But I'd like you to share your thoughts because we compare recruitment the skills and talents that make an exceptional recruiter are very similar and I think most aligned to our brothers and sisters in sales. I know we believe that. Tell me, where's your stake on this? Recruiting is not an HR job. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Everybody that's listening, uh, and we do have a wonderful, loyal listener base and they are, I think, by and large, almost all of them are in HR and recruitment. Yeah. And so, hallelujah, we have somebody from another country telling us the same thing. So share with us. Okay. I mean, um, recruiting has, uh, of course, very deep roots into uh, HR because ultimately you're matching a person to a job and that at its core requires many of the skills that an HR uh, business partner has. But the core function of recruiting is actually not so much about HR. It's about marketing, first and foremost. How do I attract candidates in a cheap and cheerful way? It's about managing a process and a collaboration. And then it's about being a talent advisor to the hiring manager. And today we take all of these jobs and we take entry-level individuals and we ask them to be everything, right? Recruiting coordinator, poster of jobs, screener of resumes. Oh, and by the way, if you have time, try to make a case with the hiring managers and advise her on who she should hire. This doesn't work. No. So I think a good, way for, a good way for TA leaders to change that is to actually embrace the 
complexity, the evolving nature of our function, and to define a team that has a, a different set. If you have 10 people, and actually I wrote a whole chapter in the book about this, but if you have 10 people in your TA team, those are not 10 recruiters. And those are not three sourcers, five recruiters, and maybe two, two administrators. So think about what are the skills, uh, and I, we can talk for hours about this, what are the skills that are needed? And elevate your recruiters to talent advisors. Let the recruiters really be partners to the hiring manager and allow them to, to not have to find candidates and not have to uh, organize interviews and do offers and yeah. right. Let them be the senior person on the team that is a true business partner to the manager. And when that happens, suddenly the managers, they, they quickly, they turn around and they say, oh, Shelly, what do you think? Because yeah, of course, they, you, when you need to hire someone, you're in a position of vulnerability. You don't want to make a mistake. This is super important. Yes. And having a trusted partner there is really critical. So you have the need, you have the customer, but currently you're not servicing this. If you do full stack recruiters who are here on That's the contract right. basis, have no understanding of the hiring manager, and they are quickly dismissed as, okay, please screen those resumes and 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 spare me your opinion. I, I measure my leading and my lagging metrics with my team, measure performance, efficiency, but I've had a really hard time with the time to hire, time to fill costs for hire. I, I don't know if it tells a true story, but when I read your three metrics, first of all, I implemented one right away and that was the net hiring score. And it's partly a reason that I switched to smart recruiters as an ATS for myself. I didn't need to work outside the system. It's already built in. But the three uh, metrics that you put together are hiring budget, which hiring velocity and net hiring score. Do you mind going into each one and giving our listeners a little bit the reasoning and what is hiring budget, hiring velocity, and net hiring score? Sure. So the, the hiring budget is a replacement for your cost per hire, and it's the total cost of hiring divided by the salary of new hires. Um, so if you come to me as a CEO and you say our cost per hire is $2,344, you know, for sure, you're not going to come to the management meeting and say, next year, I think we should double our cost per hire. Right? Nobody has ever said that. But as a CEO, I would say, well, why not? Why not? What's in it for me? If I give you more money, what do I get back? And if you express it as a percentage, so we're currently spending 5% of new hire salary. Our, our hiring budget is 5%. Then my next question is, oh, okay, how, how does that compare? It's on the low side of our industry. And we're investing more, we're more towards seven, eight percent for R&D position that are harder. We're sacrificing a bit more there. We're at two, three percent. So you can compare between departments and compare between countries. And now you have a you have a budget allocation conversation, not a cost allocation. Take the world, the word cost out of the equation and open up for a better discussion. The second is, is the hiring velocity, which is the percentage of jobs filled on time. And why does that matter? Uh, your time to fill really is, it doesn't mean anything. If you say, hey, Jerome, my time to fill is 47 days. I'm like, duh, I don't care, start earlier. But what can I tell you? But if you say the, my hiring velocity is 64%, I know, that, I know what that means. That means that if I decide something, then 64% of my decision will be implemented and the rest will not because the people will not be there. 
If I decide to open a new store, there'll be 64% of the baristas on the day off. If I want a new product, we'll have 64% of the engineers to build it. Like hiring velocity and business velocity are exactly the same. So now when you tell me that my hiring velocity is 64%, now I get very interested. And I'm like, okay, yeah, our budget is on the low side, our velocity, but what can we do to improve our velocity? Interestingly, it also involves the percentage of jobs hired on time, which is what does on time means? As a simple example, when we implemented this five years ago at Smart Quarters, we realized that Europe was at a hiring velocity of 10%. Why? Because we were doing our headcount planning on a quarterly cycle and the average time from offer accepted to start in Europe was 70 days. So they had zero chance of actually hitting the quarterly numbers. So we ended up doing a planning cycle where we approve European headcounts one quarter earlier than the US headcounts. So we know that if we decide to add four engineers in Berlin, then they will be there on time. Otherwise, it makes no sense. So hiring velocity and stop reporting on time to fill ASAP. And then the last one is the net hiring score. And the net hiring score measures quality of hire. It's like a spot check. And quality of hire never really has been well measured. It's like, ah, oh, a year later, yeah. based on performance and the age of my grandmother, we will let you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it's true. Nobody really it's does true. it. It's true. No, nobody's figured it out. So here we say it, the net hiring score is like an NPS, like a net promoter score. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 90 days after a hire, you ask the manager on a scale of one to 10, how much of a fit is this candidate? And then you ask the candidate, how much of a fit is this job for you? And then you take the nine and tens, the ones who are like, oh my God, this is my dream job finally. And this is the best hire I've ever met. So the nine and tens minus the one to five, the ones who are like, "Uh, no, I might have made a mistake. I'm not sure. This is not what I expected. And you end up with a positive negative score that gives you in real time exactly the pulse of are you hiring more great fits than poor fits? And this is a scary measure. I can tell you it is a very scary measure. So now when you go to the CEO, you say our hiring budget is 5%, which is on the low side. Our velocity, I'm struggling. We're at 75%, which obviously is creating all sorts of operational issues. That's why all the hiring managers look angry in my office. And our net hiring score is uh, zero or it's two. And uh, yeah, because we are in a rush, so we have to compromise. And if you allow me to take the hiring budget towards the 7 8%, which is more industry standard, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the hiring uh, velocity that I can commit to. This is the net hiring score that I want to drive. Now you have a business conversation, not a cost center conversation. So reframing the conversation with the CEO is critical. I wish I would have read that 10 years ago, to be honest with you, because I've been trying to figure this out. And when I read your book, I was like, wow, this is easy. Because I've had the same challenge and I'm sure, Shelly, you've had the same challenge when you're having a discussion with the executives in relating what the metrics actually mean to the business. You're right. A CEO doesn't Like they don't give a shit. If you can come in and this is what it means to our business. Thank you for coming up with those, those three, because they've really helped me streamline exactly what I should measure and clear the clutter and noise around different metrics. Please do read the book because it goes in detail and you can find this information on the internet as well. There's great smart recruiter articles. 
But on, on that note, Jerome, this has been uh, really cool. I really appreciate you taking the time. In reality, the amount of advice and knowledge that you shared here is is valuable. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, Jerome, what's the best way? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Jerome Turning. I'm glad you accept all um, TA connections, and I'm always um, available and, and happy to answer any question. You can also visit the hiringsuccess.com website. You have the smartrecruiters.com website if you need a great ATS, of course. Uh, but the hiringsuccess.com website is where you'll find all the information about the hiring success methodology. There's a link to the book, uh, but there's also a definitive guide to hiring success, which is like a 200-page practitioner guide free you can download. And we also release the hiring success masterclass that are also free of charge. We've had over 7,000 recruiters certify uh, in the last six months. So this is a series. We are, I think, at six six episodes now. So six masterclasses about hiring success. You can learn everything um, about the methodology. And I think generally we're here in, in a movement to help elevate our industry and, and to help CEOs understand that actually recruiting drives massive impact on your organization. And if you just allow them to be successful, you'd be surprised how much back you would get. I want to express my absolute gratitude for you joining us today and sharing your knowledge so generously and for sharing these great tools as well that can help us elevate the profession of recruitment. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Serge. Thank you, Shelly. Thank Thank you. you. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.